Romans chapter 14, uh, beginning to read in verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Let not him who eat, eats regard with contempt he who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes a day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he, who, and, and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died, and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the living and, and of the dead. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your word. And we are grateful, even though we are a distance apart, we are grateful that we can worship in our own homes, we can take communion together, and now we can spend some time around your word. And I pray, Lord, that your word would come to life as we walk through it here together. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would help me to get out of the way and that you would come to the forefront and teach us the things we need to learn from your word. And so help us to think differently and then help us to behave differently in accordance with what we've learned. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the church at Rome was full of opinionated people as is any church. But their opinions uh, had been taken too far. They were causing division. And at the center of, their, of these divisions were subjects such as uh, vegetarianism, uh, drinking wine, what is clean, what is unclean, and the Sabbath. Now for this church, these weren't salvation issues, but opposing viewpoints were so strong in the church that it had actually become divisive. Words of judgment and words of contempt were being flung around at each other with little regard for how it was hurting the community. And so Paul had to correct it. And if you're thinking this doesn't necessarily have any application to us, maybe I can uh, change your viewpoint on this. Sure, we may not be dealing with the issues of the Sabbath or drinking wine, but we are dealing with this new issue called COVID-19. And with this new, the new COVID-19 laws, things are getting a little, a little heated out there. Everyone seems to have an opinion as to what one should eat and what one shouldn't eat, which for the most part has created good discussion. But it has also created pockets of mistrust, contempt, judgments, and even verbal abuse. And hints of this are even touching our own church. And if this becomes our context, like it was in the context of Rome, then we have a problem. 
It's not a problem to have your opinions on these things, and we should be talking about them. This is the way that we help inform one another. This is uh, ways in which we can be critically thinking, um, maybe uh, give some information others didn't have. But if it gets to the point of becoming divisive, now we have a problem. And this was the problem in Rome. A few days ago, I took a look at three different approaches to handling the current pandemic. The Netherlands, Alberta, and Ontario. And I've taken this information directly from the websites. In the Netherlands, gatherings are not to exceed 30 people for things like weddings and funerals and church meetings. In Alberta, that number is 15. In Ontario, that number is five, but 10 are allowed to go uh, to a funeral. For those who do meet together, social distancing is to be adhere adhered to in all three places. But in the Netherlands, it's 1.5 meters apart, whereas in Alberta and Ontario, it's two meters. So here's my question. Who is right and who is wrong? Who has the right approach? Now, do you have an opinion on this? I expect you do. I do as well. This is not a problem. The Church of Rome had a lot of opinions as well, but they were becoming divisive in how they were explaining them to one another and how they were pitching them. There was judgment on the one side and there was contempt on the other. On the one side in Rome were the conservatives, those who thought uh, there ought to be uh, tighter restrictions in the Christian community. And we pick this up in verse 2b. He who is weak eats vegetables only. And then down in verse 5. One man regards one day as above another. And then in verse 14. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is, is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks it is unclean, to him it is unclean. And then in verse 21. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that causes a brother to stumble. These Christians adhered to certain restrictions that they believed was the right expression of Christianity. Those who did not hold to their same views were judged as doing something wrong. They might have said something like this. Now, if you're really a Christian, you know that you should not eat meat or drink wine or these kinds of things. And the freedom that you're expressing is not from faith. And you're walking a very thin line. On the other side of uh, this ch church in Rome were the liberals, those who did not agree with these restrictions of the conservatives. We pick this up in 2a. One man has faith that he may eat all things. Then again in verse 5. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Again in 14a. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. And then verse 17, look, the kingdom of God is, is, is not about eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So these liberal Christians, or these more free Christians, if you will, thought that holding to such restrictions was not an expression of Christianity. In fact, they would scorn at them and they were disregarded. They might have said something like this. Real Christians, genuine Christians, were freed from these kinds of restrictions. 
You've got a self-inflicted noose around your neck that Jesus has freed us from. So Paul had to correct this problem. And so he begins here to clarify it all in verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Key word there is the word opinions. Paul clarifies that this, um, these divisions that were happening in the church were really should be a matter of just opinions. I think in the NIV it has the words, these are disputable matters. These are not matters of what is right and what is wrong, but they are matters of opinion. And the weak in faith were to be accepted, and so are the strong. Paul himself would go on in the passage to describe himself as somebody who is not weak in the faith. Again, I already read it, but verse 14. I know, this is Paul speaking, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. And he says something similar again in verse 20. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the one who eats and gives offense. So Paul would see himself, I guess, in the camp of being a, a strong Christian. Now, when we hear this, we immediately want to put ourselves in the strong camp. We want to put ourselves in the camp with the Apostle Paul. We're the stronger ones, and the weaker ones, those are the ones that have the restrictions. Well, if that's you, let me see if I can stretch you a bit. What is the right way to handle money? What's the right way? What is the right way to raise your kids? What are the right views of the limits of alcohol? What is the right line in the sand for what movies are right to watch and which ones are wrong? Now, as you've been answering those questions, are you convinced you're on the strong side or on the weak side? Or maybe a more contemporary question for us these days, Yes, follow the laws of the land in regards to social distancing. But are those laws enough? Shouldn't we be doing more as Christians? Are you the weak? Or are you the strong Christian? Again, Paul certainly saw himself as a strong Christian in this context. But that to him was largely irrelevant to the text. You notice he doesn't spend much time proving this. He just describes himself that way. Because Paul's point is this, it's okay to be on either side as Christians. It's okay to hold different viewpoints. Just don't make them divisive. And so Paul begins to move into some of the issues that were at hand for them. We pick it up here in verse 2. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Now, the choice for vegetarianism for them is quite different from why people might hold that view now. Um, back in this context, idolatry was quite rampant. And idol worship usually included some kind of ritual where meat was offered to the idol. This meat then could be eaten either right there in the service, or it could be, it could be brought to the market and sold there. You can look this up later if you're taking notes. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 19 to 28. Now, Paul didn't care if the meat in the market had earlier been used in temple idol worship. He didn't care. But some people did. They wanted no connection with that old way of life at all. They wanted no connection with idol worship. Didn't matter that it was taken out of the 
worship context, and now put in the marketplace, they didn't want anything to do with it. So here then was the question for some of these Christians in Rome. Could you be sure that the market meat that you purchased had not been previously involved in idol worship? There's a way to make sure of this and to avoid it altogether. Don't eat meat. Then you'll never be in trouble. Not eating meat then was associated with food that had possibly been tainted earlier in idol worship. Now this is quite different for the vegetarians today. Many choose it because uh, I've heard things like cruelty to animals, um, or maybe some of the purists <coughs> are trying to get back to the original diet in the garden before the fall. Regardless of one's reason for the vegetarian diet, the conclusion from Paul remains the same. Verse 3b. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has accepted him. Excuse me, I just need to clear my throat. I've got to get some water. <coughs> so the issue is judgment. For these people who held to vegetarianism, they judged the people who didn't. You're walking a thin line too close to idol worship. I get that the meat is not in the worship service itself, but you're walking a tight line. But it wasn't just the vegetarian's problem. Those who felt they were free to eat meat, they also had a problem. This is in verse 3a. Let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat. You see, there is problems on both sides. The conservatives who judged and the liberals who treated others with contempt. There's a problem on both sides. To judge here comes from the Greek word krino. Don't be impressed, you can look it up. Which means to judge judicially, as if you're the judge. You're saying what's right and what's wrong. Using the word judge was to determine who was on the right side of the issue and who was on the wrong side of the issue. And the conservatives here held out that those who did not hold to the vegetarian diet were in fact wrong, and they were being judged by them. They might have said something like this. Really, you have no problem whatsoever with meat that had previously been sacrificed to idols? Well, I can tell you that as a Christian, I want to honor the Lord Jesus fully, and I want to be a country mile away from any meat sacrificed to idols. But you go ahead, have your fill of your idol meat. That's the conservative side. But equally troubling were those on the liberal side. Their challenge was not to treat the conservatives with contempt. Now, the word for contempt here in the Greek comes is the word edzutheneo, which means to make light of, to treat with contempt, scorn, or look down on. They might have said something like this. Come on, you guys, give me a break. These rules are not in the Bible. They're coming from your own creation, and they're ridiculous. But whatever, you go ahead and have your veggies and dip. You see, both sides were guilty of divisiveness, and Paul was trying to put an end to it. And at the end of verse 3, he makes it very clear that God has accepted the one who eats the meat. And furthermore, in verse 6, he accepts both. Look how he, look, listen to how he describes it. <clears throat> he who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. 
and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who does not eat, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. Both are giving thanks to God. There's no problem with either side. But as we pick it up here in verse 5 and 6, there was another issue, not just vegetarianism. The Sabbath was an issue as well. Again, verse 5 and 6. One man regards a day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes a day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who does not eat for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. So why was the Sabbath an issue here? Well, we know from the church at Rome uh, that there were Jewish Christians here. Um, you just have to look at uh, chapters 1 through 11. It's very clear that there were Jewish Christians here. And some of them growing up uh, would have known that to observe the Sabbath was an expression of their faith to God. And even though they had left the law behind as new Jewish Christians, maybe thinking back through the Old Testament, maybe they came to the conclusion that, well, hold on a minute here, maybe if God rested on the seventh day, that's not a law. And if God rested on the seventh day, well, then shouldn't we? And before they knew it, they were judging everybody who didn't. Now, I can't say for certain if that was the issue surrounding the Sabbath. But regardless, there were people who were saying it is the right thing to do. Then there was this other issue of clean and unclean. And this is, we pick this up uh, further down in verse 14. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything is unclean, to him it is unclean. Maybe this had to do with kosher meals that these Jewish Christians would have grown up with. Again, not as a law issue, but couldn't they make a strong case that if God restricted it for the Jewish people, certainly this couldn't be a bad idea. So maybe we shouldn't eat pork. In fact, yes, we shouldn't eat pork. And they carried it forward into it being the right Christian thing to do. Finally, there's the issue of drinking wine. This issue may not be too far removed from the issues we have today in the Christian community. The issue is probably drunkenness. And those who had recently come out of the pagan lifestyle and their drunken parties, they wanted to be removed completely from this old way. Could a person have a drink of wine without being drunk? Maybe, but why bother at all? Again, it's not a problem with somebody holding this view personally. The problem came when they were judging those who did not drink wine. It's okay to abstain from it and even give some good, strong reasons for this. But they were judging those who did drink wine. Those who were free to have a glass of wine made it clear that no such restrictive commands were in the Bible. So why are you guys going overboard on this? But Paul was making it abundantly clear that both sides were in trouble. Some judged, while others responded with contempt. Paul, again, he has no problem holding different opinions on the matter. But not when they become divisive. You'll know in the passage, he's not trying to support one particular side. He's just trying to tell them, don't be divisive in the matters of these kinds of things that are opinions. So, are these uh, issues for us today from, uh, from the book of Romans in chapter 14? I'm not sure. Maybe they are. Maybe or maybe not. But the principle is clear. 
In matters of opinions, don't be judgmental. In matters of opinions, don't be judgmental. This is especially important as we deal with the current issue of social distancing. It's in all of our conversations these days. Now, I'd love to say that the two sides of judgment and contempt have not hit our church, but they are starting to creep in the door. They are minor at this point, but we all need to be very careful and heed the words of Romans 14. Now, as a leadership team, the board and myself, um, we are all advising everybody to obey the laws of the land on the matter. And from what I've learned, you are all trying to do so. The regulations on the government of Alberta's website make it clear that self-isolation is mandated for those traveling home from outside of Canada 14 days, and those showing signs of COVID-19 symptoms should isolate for 10 days. Disobedience to such laws will be met with fines ranging from $1,000 to first-time offenders, up to $500,000 to subsequent offenders and for those who have more serious offenses. So that's what's on our government website, and uh, as a leadership team, we think we should adhere to those. But the question might be asked out there, are these laws enough? Or somebody might be asking, are these too much? Now, apart from these laws, there are recommendations. This is what it says about practicing physical distancing. And I quote from the alberta.ca website, quote, you do not need to remain indoors, but you do need to avoid being in close contact with people. A second quote, go for a walk in your neighborhood or park while maintaining distance from each other. Here's the question, are these recommendations enough? Are they too much? Or is it just right? How do we know this? Is it because Alberta, we've got it right and Ontario has gone overboard? or the Netherlands haven't done enough? You will have your opinions on this, as I do. And we should be having conversations about this, healthy ones, not divisive ones. If you've not been talking about these matters, your head has been in the sand. I know you all have been. And it's good for us to talk about these things. This is how we refine one another. We think critically through these things. I hope it's not overtaking your narrative at home, but I know that you've been talking about it, and this is a good idea. It helps us to work through some of these matters in ways that is healthy and Christian and loving. We can disagree with one another, but still be loving. Talking about our opinions is the way that we inform one another, and it's the way that we help each other think critically. But if it crosses the line, if it crosses the line, where judgment is start being handed out to the people who are not doing enough in your viewpoint. Or those who are saying, look, your extra measures are out of line. You're, you're, um, uh, they, they are looked down upon. They are treated with contempt. Then now we have issues. So I want us to think about Romans 14. And it's not a problem that the Church of God didn't have. They had it here in Rome. Has it um, affected our church? Not that much, but I can tell you for certain that it has crept inside the door. We need to be very careful how we think about one another in this. 
Again, share your viewpoints, help each other to think critically, but don't get to the point where you judge the people who are not doing enough. And don't get to the point of treating those with contempt who think we should be doing more. Let's talk about these things. Let's express our opinions, not only in these matters, but in all other matters and categories of life. Maybe some of these here from Romans 14. We've got preferences on how to raise kids. We've got preferences in terms of whether or not we should drink wine. We've got preferences maybe about how we rest. We've got preferences in terms of how we spend our money, how we use our money. No problem. We should talk and refine one another with these things. But please do not make them divisive. And I've known out there already that this has become very divisive. As pastors this last week, Bryce, myself, and Andrew, we all spoke about how we were keeping social distancing rules. And yet all three of us had been judged, not necessarily by people in the church. All three of us were judged by people. This is out there, and you know it's out there. But it can't be said about us in the church. We can't do this. Express your opinion, express your viewpoint, but don't make it divisive. All right, well, I think I've said enough. Why don't we get to uh, some lessons here? And um, I will uh, overtake the, uh, the page here. I'll put them on behind me as well. All right, first of all, In order for unity to be maintained in the church, there must be freedom for Christians to expect, express their opinions without judgment or contempt because this is God's will for the church through Jesus Christ. In order for there to be unity to be maintained in the church, there must be freedom for Christians to express their opinions without judgment and without contempt. This is God's will for the church of Jesus Christ. I know it's happening a lot out there, but we don't take our cues from how people are discussing it out there. We take our cues from God's Word, and Romans 14 gives us some very clear guidelines as to how we walk through measures uh, whereby we might have different opinions on either side. Uh, secondly, conservative Christians will approach certain categories in life with reserved speculations for a variety of reasons. Whereas the liberal Christian will approach those same categories with more freedom. Conservative Christians will approach certain categories in life with reserved speculation for a variety of reasons. Whereas the liberal Christian will approach those same categories with more freedom. This is okay. This is fine. Just don't make it matters of judgment. I remember one of my daughters, my... my uh, one of my daughters was uh, judged by another girl after uh, she had gotten her hair cut because real Christians don't get their hair cut. And they went on to explain something from 1 Corinthians 11, of course, taking it out of context. Uh, but my little girl ended up crying as a result of this. That was judgment. On the flip side, uh, my daughter then could come into my home and then we could talk with contempt toward those people. Again, either side, we, we don't need to be doing these things. And then finally, even though Christians may talk about their different approaches to life's categories, they are to pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Did you catch it there in verse 19? 
as we went through it initially. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That's what we pursue. We can talk about our differences, not a problem. What we pursue is the things that build one another up. 